how would you like to triple your sales on Amazon? Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Amy Wees from amazingathome.com and the Seller Roundtable podcast. Now, Amy used to own a PPC agency, and now she helps people scale their Amazon businesses, some of which are getting seven-figure exits and making six figures per year. Now, in this podcast episode, Amy and I specifically talk about how you can triple your sales on Amazon with just one tweak, but she also shares 15 or more other strategies on how you can scale your Amazon business. We talk about how to see how much growth you can get from your product before you even try to scale it. And you can use this tactic before you even buy an Amazon business to see how much scale there is within that product before you purchase it. We also talk about how to set your Amazon business up to be scalable, how we can increase your profit margins right? And what your profit margin should actually be before you go away and push it to achieve that scalability. Then we talk about how to expand your audience, you know, to sell the same product to, but to different audiences. So you can increase your revenue by selling to different audiences. We also talk about how you can get your products listed on Walmart and other places. And we just talk about so much more on how to scale your Amazon business. There's some really good principles, strategies, and tactics in this podcast episode. Now, you're absolutely going to love it. Before we get stuck in, I wanted to tell you that this is podcast is not the only way that I can help you for free. I have my Judulance Framework 2.0, which a lot of people have been raving about, which helps you with knowing what to look out for when you're buying a website. It basically takes all the guesswork out of buying an online business, including questions you can ask the seller and the broker and, and all the things that you need to know about a business to make sure you're not going to go away and buy a lemon. So to get that, go to buyingonlinebusiness.com forward slash free resources. And there's some other cool resources on that page too. Let's get stuck in. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium age domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.global to check out their great deals. That's O-D-Y-S dot G-L-O-B-A-L. Link will be in the description too. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Really looking forward to talking about this one. Um, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. Thanks for coming on. So I wanted to reach out to you specifically to talk about Amazon businesses because we've got a lot of people that are buying Amazon businesses now uh, and the price of Amazon businesses have like the multiple and how much people are selling their Amazon businesses has grown significantly. Uh, especially since the start of 2020. 
And obviously, we know that's most likely due to the the current state of people needing to shop online. But I really wanted to break down what would somebody do if they were to buy an Amazon business? How would they go away and grow it? And you're definitely the best person to speak to speak to this because you've got a lot of people that have come to you at like you know five figures or even maybe less. And then you got them to a point where they're, you know, doing six figures and making seven figure exits and all those sorts of cool things with their businesses. So if you were to buy a business, Amy, Amazon business, what would be some of the first things that you'd be looking at, you know, checking and looking at doing if you wanted to get some growth? Well, in terms of growth, especially for an online business, you want to look at how you appear in the market, right? You want to see, okay, how is my placement? How is my brand against other brands in the market? Am I on page 10 for my main uh, medium to long tail keywords? Can customers even find my brand? How's my visibility? So that would be the first thing that I would be looking at is your foundation. The foundation of any product online is going to be, um, you know, your, your placement and your visibility online. So that's, that's the very basics of knowing how much you can grow, right? If you're already on page one, And there's a ton of competition that looks just like you and you're the most expensive thing on the page. Well, there's not a lot of room to grow there, right? So then you have to worry about other things that you can control, like your cost, your ad, your ad spend, that kind of stuff. But the very first thing that you should be looking at is what is the market doing and how do I fit into it? So that's Mm. like step one. And, you know, can customers find me? And when they do find me, are they going to want to buy from me? Or do I need to step up my game a little bit? Do I need better photos? Do I need better branding? Do I, you know, need better advertising because I'm I'm not looking very good on the page, right? So that's kind of the foundation of any online business. So the step one of like, it's basically sounds like you just got to work out where you fit in the marketplace. You want to work out how established your brand is compared to your competitors. So what would we be doing at this stage would be like a lot of people that join uh, my mastermind to, to grow their businesses. And a few have Amazon businesses is the first thing we look at is like tracking, like tracking, like what is the business doing in terms of performance, you know, um, you know, income, out, you know, inputs, outputs, uh, where it's, you know, listed and and ranked. And uh, then also, would it be, you know, looking into competitors and doing some competitive research? What other things would there be within that step one of like, just working out where this business is at? Yeah, sure. I mean, the biggest thing is a lot of people will come to me and they'll say, well, I want to make X number of sales a month, or I want to grow my revenue to this much but they're not taking the time to actually look at the market, right? So I'm asking them, okay, well, what makes you think you're going to be able to match competitor A if you're not doing the same things as competitor A, right? Like a lot of times people will see somebody on page one of Amazon for their most relevant keyword, and they'll say, well, I wanna match this competitor. Uh, great, but that competitor is also selling in retail and in 10 other major channels. So mm-hmm. you can't just, I think that's the biggest mistake that e-commerce entrepreneurs make and brands make is that they automatically assume that they can match the sales of a competitor and they're not actually looking at what else that competitor is doing to get there. So that's number one. And then 
The second thing is look at where you're at in terms of the entire market and whether or not there is room to grow. Really study your your customer. Look at what the customer is looking for and look at who else is in the market, who's doing well and who isn't, and look at yourself up against them and see how you can capture some of that traffic. Is it, like I mentioned, is it that your visibility is poor? Is it that, you know, you need to improve um, your traction or your traffic? Um, that's that's the, the big thing. So set your goals based on where you're at on the market and not just based on, oh, well, this competitor on the page is doing this much or this other Shopify store is doing this much. Um, you know, look at actually the entire market and who you're specifically targeting, your medium to long tail keywords, and look at, okay, what do we have for that? And, and how saturated is the market? And is there anything that we need to do to place ourselves in a better place in that market to get some more of those sales? Um, so that's the way I like to look at it. I don't just like to shoot for revenue goals without studying the market and what the potential is. There's a lot of different like market tracking software and things like that that you can utilize for that, but it's good common sense just to take a look at the page, take a look at the search volume, take a look at the set market saturation, take a look at what the customer wants and whether or not you actually have room to grow your sales. I like it. I like it so much because that relates to not just Amazon business, but all businesses where some people may start a media business and they're like, I want to be at Gary V stage and I'm just going to do what Gary V does. But to usually to get from where you're at now to be at that stage, you know, it's not the same strategy that he's actually using. You've got to go through one strategy for a certain period of time and that'll work for maybe a year or two. And then you need to go to another strategy for another year or two and then work your way up in different blocks to get to that, right? Because I dare say there's people that have Amazon businesses that are, you know, say I'm, I've am i got an Amazon business selling one product and competitor A is selling uh, one product as well, but they're just outselling, they're ranked on, you know, their top, the number one ranked and I'm like 15 or something. If I just put all my money in ad spend, that's not good. what's going to get me to the same result as them because there's probably other things like, like I said, the, the long tail keyword, images, product descriptions, all these different things that need to need to happen as well, right? And I love that you brought up like the Gary Vee example because a lot of the, the hard part, right? Even if you're selling 10 products, let's say you just brought, bought a brand that has 20 SKUs in the mm. marketplace. Well, the other thing you have to look at is where are your SKUs as a whole? So when you go to sell your business, uh, the buyers want a brand to have uh, a certain hold on the marketplace. So they don't want you to, they want you to be selling something with some value. So look at the products that are in your repertoire, right? And see um, what kind of perceived value they have in the marketplace. If the market's getting super saturated, I was just on a call this morning with a client who invented a product. And unfortunately, the reasonable alternatives on the market in e-commerce are much cheaper. And so it's it's not that her product isn't super quality and it's 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 protected, it's great, 
But if we look at the overall reasonable alternatives, and what I mean is like other products that could do the same thing, they might not be the same product, um, but they can do the same thing. And those products are so much lower priced. It doesn't matter if you pay for placement on page one or you have an amazing listing, you have amazing photos, you're not going to sell. And that's the same thing. Like you're not Gary V. You know, Gary V took the time to build this whole audience, right? And took the time from nothing to get all these rabid followers, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to just be able to follow that same process that Gary V did without that same following because we don't take into account all the organic traffic that Gary is getting, right? So, and that's the same thing for an established brand. So when you're looking at your, your product, mix all of your different products and where you stand in the marketplace, you have to look at why is a customer going to buy this product and not any reasonable alternative? Can I compete? Where am I competing? Am I competing on features? Am I competing on benefits? Am I competing on uh, price? Am I competing on reviews? Am I competing on placement? What am I competing on? And can I improve that? And if you see yourself in a saturated market where you're on a price to you're on a price board at the bottom, maybe it's time to look at some of those products. You already have a supplier for those products, right? Mm-hmm. Why not take another look at the market and see what the customer is looking for and make a slight differentiation and relaunch a new version? Now you 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 know breathe fresh light into that product. You you know, and then the other thing that I've, I see a lot of uh, brands when they come to me, I, I have a client I'm working with right now, and he got kind of got started in Amazon and he's got all these products in multiple different categories that have nothing to do with each other. He's got <laughs> like kitchen knives and, yeah. you know, just like all these different like kids toys and all. And so, you know, that's another thing is look at the cohesiveness of your brand. Are you trying to be Walmart or are you trying to be a very niche brand for, you know, hiking, hiking or for camping or for bike riding or whatever it is, but really, really look at your market, what your customer wants and your competition. Uh, and that's, that's, I think how you can master step one, which is your foundation, because without, without fixing your foundation, uh, and the reason why customers buy from you and not from somebody else, you're just going to keep running into problems. Like you said, you just, oh, let's just spend more ad money. Let's just, let's run Facebook ads. Okay. But if your foundation sucks, if the reason that customers are buying from you is not established, then you're going to end up, keep, you're going to keep spending money and spinning your wheels. Oh, that's just awesome. That's just very, very well said, Amy. I'm, I greatly appreciate you saying that. Like, that I really resonated with the the products, like multiple different SKUs um, in different niches or different industries. But even what I've noticed is, um, you know, in my own businesses and my clients' businesses in the mastermind is that people will have the wrong idea on scale. They'll see that, and it can be coming back to the Gary V thing again. It's like, all right, Gary V has ten products, and I've got one. I know to grow my business, I need more SKUs. And I just I just get so scared and so worried for those people because I'm like, you that's that's not the path to scale. What I've really noticed is that, you know, 
people that are getting the best results is they find their best seller, their best SKU, and they focus on that first and then optimize that and move it to a next one. Are you is that what you do when you go away and you you identify a business um, business position in the market on Amazon, identify how established their brand is, and you know do your competitive analysis? Do you work out which is the top product, top top performing product, and focus on that one first, or do you have a range of a few? So yes, definitely. I mean, you want to study. Like, for example, when you do a, a market analysis and you look, I was doing this with my own brands because I'm not only a consultant, I also have my own brands um, on Amazon as well as, uh, you know, on Walmart and, and retail. But when I'm doing this with my own brands, I look at the market and I go, okay, what do I have to offer? And why is a customer going to buy from me and not somebody else? Right. And, um, and how much room is there for me to take from the brand that's on page one? Like I study them, I study, you know, keep your, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, right? Study them really hard and say, okay, what are they doing? And is there any reason why I can't take some of these sales? If I'm on page one, if I pay for page one placement and I can take some of those sales, what are, what's their volume and can I match it? Or can I at least take some of it? And so I look at where I am and where I can go with each product. And sometimes you might find that where you can go, you're already there. Like you're, you're not going to put much more effort into that product and you're, you're really capped out. But when I do this, sometimes I find, oh my gosh, like I had one client, she had a really unique um, pet products mm. and um, we took a look at it and, you know, she's like, you know, I just, I, I don't want to let it go. It's not selling. It's not doing very well, you know, but it's a really unique product. And I took a look at this type of product. I looked at the keywords that people are searching for. And I noticed that the keywords, the, the longer tail keywords for her product, um, the products that were actually on page one for that keyword were terrible. And then I went and I looked at her listing and she didn't even have that keyword phrase intact in her title. Oh. We made that little change and tripled her sales overnight. So that little change in her title, keeping the phrase intact, knowing SEO, that's so important if you're an e-commerce business, knowing SEO, um, we made that little change in her title and moved her for that very relevant long tail keyword from page three to page one, overnight her sales tripled. So if you know what the market wants and you study the market, it's not just about like looking at, you know, your, so we studied the market, we saw the keywords that they were looking for, and then we pulled up page one for those keywords and we were like, okay, the competitors that are here are really good at ranking, but their products suck. So if we can change our keywords to get there, you know, we can, we can definitely dominate some of that market. So you don't just want to give up on a product because it's not selling well. You always want to look at it and see, okay, what could I do? Am I getting in front of that bottom of funnel traffic? that is going to be buying my product or service? Am I getting in front of them? Can I even find my own product if I am that customer? That's yes. the first thing that you have to look at. I mean, like I could hammer that to death because it's nearly always the fix for broken sales. Um, the other thing that you want to look at is when you have those really great products, like you were saying, you know, okay, I'm, it's perfect. I'm on page one for my most relevant keywords. I'm doing really well. Uh, this, this is great. Like I want to keep this going. Then you want to look for variation opportunities. So if you can make some variations or some bundles with that product or some cross sells or whatever, 
It's easy. You already have the supplier. It's an easy way to grow that line, that product line, and that can really add um, great value to your brand as well. So take those bestsellers and expand in variations if you can. I really like that. Um, we're doing this one uh, with uh, another somebody, a, a guest in the mastermind, uh, I should say a client in the mastermind, and they, uh, they've they got a really great product and they're up the top, they're just crushing it, and they're making a different variation of the product. And we can sell that and I've worked with him and, and, and sort of taught him how we can increase our AOV and sell bundles um, and not just, yeah. I mean, we're taking his, we've taken his business from just being solely dependent on Amazon to off Amazon, selling, he's selling his own brand off Amazon. He's doing really well with it. So um, Google ads straight to his strategies um, product. But we're working like I'm. I'm showing him how to create a you know increase his average order value by uh, you know upselling and downselling and packages and complementary products because his product is just basically the same thing but in a different variation uh, that's going to allow you know two different two different people to have you know tried both products see which one they like and a lot of people will be recurring uh customers for that product so do you work on the um increasing average order value when you add those supplementary products as well do you 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 sell them as bundles and, and all that sort of thing yeah i mean you should be thinking about bundles you should be thinking about multi packs the other thing that you can be thinking about is more channels that you can sell in like Shopify, Walmart, other e- other e-commerce channels that are easy to access, other Amazon marketplaces, perhaps. Um, I don't like increasing channels before I maximize one channel that's doing really well for me, right? It's like, it's like trying to be on all the social media at once. Like we're not going to do well. Like the YouTube audience is Focus. different than the Facebook audience. Like we want to take the time to grow a channel and grow our best channel. Um, and it's the same with our products. We want to take the time to grow our best products, um, but also evaluate them fairly. But yeah, I love bundles, multi-packs, all that kind of stuff. And when I help people expand in their niche, I also like them to think about visualizing their brand as a whole and all the different things that they can cross-sell, that they can upsell, like you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. right? There's so many things that you can do if you have complementary products. The other thing that a lot of people don't necessarily think about is how many different audiences can you sell to of that same product? So let's say that you're selling a really great um journal, right? A leather bound journal. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's great. Um, and you know, bullet journals are so popular right now. Well, what if you just change the design to target cat people to put a nice cat on the front of it? You know, I'm a cat lady. So, um, you know, put, put a dog on the front of it, do dog breeds it. Now, you're selling your journal to a whole nother group of people that are in love with something. Or even if you, you know, it's a journal. So you study the market and you think who uses journals, you know, you can sell to career fields, nurses, doctors, all kinds of, you know, so here you were selling your product before to a general audience. And by sometimes niching uh, down, you can, or, or even around um, based on breaking down one avatar. Now you can sell to, all types of new audiences with the same exact product. 
And then the other thing, like we were just talking about is complementary products. So we can bundle them with different things, right? If I'm selling um, a a protein powder, I can sell a really great shaker cup or something like that. Um, There's so many things that you can do where you can grow a brand and, and offer in your packaging and in your inserts so much more value for your customers to just become like raving mad fans and, and not only increase average order value, but also increase um, how much that that customer is coming back to buy more. Because I think so many people are always looking for new customers, right? They're always looking for new customers instead of just retargeting and remarketing mm. to the ones that are already mm. buying from us and excited about our brands. Oh, the expanding into audit into other audiences by adding a product with this, you know, with the just a, yeah, yeah, add as a separate product, right? But with a different long tail keyword. I like yeah. it. That's that's cool. I really wanted to dig into two other things that you mentioned. One is which uh, you you said you kind of work out where you're at with your product in terms of you know in the market and competition. And then you also like to work out how far can you go with that product. Now, I find that fascinating because uh, a lot of people here listening are like, I want to buy an online business. And as a part of their due diligence, what they can do is they can look at that product and do their own due diligence on that product to see how far they can go with it before they purchase this to see how much value that opportunity there is. So how do we, you know, what are we looking at when we're trying to find out how far we can go with our particular product? What are some of the things, you know, we need to look at and and work out? Well, first of all, you want to look at the channel that you're selling in. So again, it's like taking that competitor that's doing awesome on page one, right? And they're just killing it and going, well, I can sell as much as that guy. Um, But then not considering that they're selling in retail and they're a major brand, right? So you want to look at the channel, And you want to look at your closest competitor in that channel. So if you're buying an online business and you're not planning on moving beyond Amazon, for example, then you need to look at Amazon and what's going on with that product and that and that niche. And so look at your most relevant keywords, look at who's doing what you can easily find out how much they're selling. There's plenty of tools for that. Um, you can find out how much they're selling, how well they're doing. If you're even looking like to sell on Etsy or something, you, there's tools like Marmalade, you know, where you can see how much they're selling. You, there's, there's so much you could do, but look at not just who's the number one competitor, but who's your closest competitor. And if they're doing better than you, how can you, can you steal any of that market? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's what I like to do. I don't like to go look at Walmart. If, you know, and and think about all these other channels that I can expand into, if I haven't maximized what I can do on Amazon, if that's my primary channel. Um, So I would just encourage anyone who's buying a business or who's looking to grow their existing business so that it's valued at more when they exit is just look at, okay, where am I at and where can I go? Um, and what, what are the people on this page doing, right? So if you pull up a page of Amazon using a tool, any of the tools, they will tell you the best sellers rank of that product. Mm. Look on page one and see what the best sellers ranks of various products are looking like on that page. And you'll notice the better the rank, you'll, you'll be able to tell if you know the market, you're going to be able to tell what customers care about. 
So for example, if I were to pull up toiletry bags on Amazon right now, which, you know, the travel market's been hit kind of hard anyway, but I've looked at this market quite a bit uh, because I used it as a case study uh, before COVID hit. And, um, and I had several clients that tried to make a nicer high-end toiletry bag, mm. right? They tried to like make a really expensive leather toiletry bag. Well, if you look on page one for men's toiletry bags, you'll see that, um, like the number one seller is $12 and 99 cents. <laughs> And the, the other sellers, the more expensive leather bags are like 600,000 in their category, which is not a good rank. So they're not selling well. Customers don't care that it's super expensive, high quality leather. If they're going to put their toothpaste in it, apparently, because the ones that are selling well are the ones that look nice, but they're 1299. And the ones that have a little bit of differentiation, like there's another one there that had like several pockets and, um, and you can hang it up. So it's a little different than just the single zipper kind of medicine bag looking toiletry yeah. bag. Right. So it's so important to note what the, the, what the market wants and the market tells you by what they buy. So Product it's, I know people tend to overthink this and you don't have to overthink it. Literally pull up the page of your most relevant medium tail keyword and go, what are people buying? And then look at the price, look at the reviews, look at what people want, and then look for long tail keywords like toiletry bag for this, toiletry bag with this, made of this, leather, whatever, cloth, you know, and then look at those pages of those other keywords and see what's selling there. And you're going to get a really good, simple idea. Keep it simple. It doesn't have to be like all this complex data. Like it's very easy to see what the market wants. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's all there. It's all the data is there and we can, I mean, just Google trends in itself helps us. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like to um, think about what you said is like looking at competitors and you're like, all right, am I going to try and compete with Walmart or can I even compete with Walmart? Like when we're trying to find out how far we can go with a product, some people may go away and look at what I call an indirect competitor and go, oh, I've, I could possibly get to this level of sales or this position on Amazon. But there's two different types of competitors, right? We've got direct competitor and we've got indirect competitor. I'm just saying this for people that are listening. You already probably know this, Amy. It's like, a direct, uh, an indirect competitor is like if I'm selling toiletry bags uh, and Amazon's selling and I'm only selling toiletry bags and things for toilet travel, right, or, or bathroom travel, uh, you know, like microfiber towels and, and things like that. If that's my niche and Walmart sells those, they're not my competitor. They're an indirect competitor because they sell those products but they sell everything else. Whereas if there's a, yeah. a another brand on Amazon that is selling just toiletry travel products, they're my direct competitor. So we need to know the difference because we're not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to compete with Walmart, but I'll be able to definitely yeah. compete with my direct. And the competitor. other thing that you need to check, the other thing you need to check is where that brand is getting their traffic from. So I had a client the other day. They had invented a product. It was their grandfather's invention and they were like two times removed from their grandfather. And 
Um, and they were kind of managing the brand on Amazon. They were on page one. It was amazing. Cool. Awesome. You know, they're making crazy sales of a very basic product, but they were losing sales. So they, you know, they submitted their, their listing to my free listing review service. And I took a look at it and they said, you know, we don't know what happened after this recent Amazon glitch. Like our sales are really down and, and our competitor sales are the same. So it's fine. You know, like it, something's wrong. So I went in and I looked and I saw that their product looks the same as a competitor, even though they're the original, their product looks the same as the competitor. They're both on page one. So they're direct competitors. They're mm. both on page one. But what I did is I went to Google and I Googled their brand and I use this really great um, Chrome extension called Keywords Everywhere. And um, it's a free Chrome extension, but you can pay like $10 to get like so many, uh, it'll tell you trends. It'll tell you what else people search for. It'll tell you search volume per month. Um, and it's built right into the search engine so that that way you can like, as you're searching the internet, you can look. And I just really, I love it. It's a great market analysis tool. Um, but anyway, I looked at their competitors. I Googled their competitors brand and their competitor had something like 3,100 searches a month for just their brand name. And then I looked and their competitor was selling in on Walmart, on Sears.com, Walmart.com, Amazon.com. And they were featured in a whole bunch of media top 10 lists. They had YouTube reviews for their product. So their web footprint was humongous. And yeah. then I did that same exercise for this other competitor, the one that I was studying their listing. And they were wondering, how is our competitor maintaining their sales? And we're losing sales every day. And um, I looked and Googled their brand name. And it was searched something like 30 times a month compared to their competitors 3,100 times a month. Less, right? 10x less. And yeah. yeah. And then the other thing is they have like no media presence. They're not selling on any other channels except for their own website in Amazon. And so you're wondering, you know, when we look at, for example, you can go to Alexa's traffic report for any website and see where most of their referral traffic is coming from. Amazon's direct traffic, the last time I checked the statistics, is 51%. So that means only 51% of people go directly to Amazon and search for a product. So if you're only selling on Amazon and you're only running Amazon PPC and you have no outside um, web footprint and you're trying to compare yourself with another competitor, there is no comparison because 50% of that traffic is coming from off of Amazon. Um, so you need to work. And that's exactly what I did. I sat down with him on a coaching call and I was like, let's work on our web footprint. Let's work on your brand representation off of Amazon. If you want to compete with this other competitor, you have to do some of what they're doing. And, you know, and he kind of wanted the easy fix, right? He wanted to be able to just be where his competitor is at overnight. Well, okay, so what do I need to do? Just run some Google ads? Like, how do I? Well, I mean, your competitor has been layering this on over time. Like if I look at the web results, they've been layering it on and that's what you have to do. And so I told him, I said, just pick one relevant traffic channel every month and add it and start layering it on. It doesn't have to be paid ads because remember Google ads, paid ads, as soon as you stop running them, you stop yeah. making those sales, yeah. right? 
Focus on those things that are going to show up in search. Pinterest pins. Um, focus on uh, being YouTube featured videos. in the news. Yes, YouTube videos. Tons of referral sources for YouTube yeah. video. People mm -hmm. shop on YouTube and they shop on Google. That's bottom of funnel all day long. So, yeah. you know, that's the thing that you can do. And then the other thing that you really have to focus on, um, I mean, you know, we can talk about the marketing all day long, and we can talk about all of, of the things. But the thing is, if your margins suck, you're it doesn't matter how much you grow your sales. If your margins suck, you're still going to be in the pit and you're not going to be able to keep up with your competitors. So this is the other big thing that I see, like nearly everybody that comes to me um, for help with Amazon stuff, when we look at their numbers, their numbers are terrible. Like they're barely making any money. Amazon advertising is really expensive and you need to have money to pile on those layers of external traffic if you really want to do well, right? So I would say the other thing you need to be focused on, you can spend all day building out your foundation and making your brand look great. But at at this, the second thing you need to do after you study the market is look at what you can control in terms of your cost. Whether that means finding a new supplier or, um, you know, renegotiating your prices, uh, ordering a larger container load so that you get, you're paying less for shipping, reducing your packaging, reducing your shipping cost in terms of like, I literally cut the handles off one of my products and redid the molds so that yeah. it would collapse and I, and made it smaller so that I could cut. I, I also, one of my other products, I folded it differently and packaged it differently, saved $10 a piece on my Amazon fees for every awesome. single unit, made my huge difference in my margin. So look at your costs as well. Like if you see, okay, I'm golden, I'm on page one. Before you get to those variations, before you start expanding in variations, look at your costs and see what you can control because you might be able Imagine you fold that blanket differently and you reduce your shipping costs. We're talking about e-commerce businesses here. I mean, if you could save $10 a product every time you ship it out, just by changing a few things before you go to expand on those variations, get after that because that's the killer. I mean, so many people got started in e-commerce and they just paid a supplier whatever they wanted and they have no idea what they could be paying. Like I've got 10X to 14X multipliers on some of my products, meaning I'm sourcing it for 10 and I'm selling it for 100. So I, I really need people to focus on that because you're competing with people like me who have better margin. <laughs> and I can then spend extra money on media. I can spend extra money on advertising. I can pay for that video ad that you can't pay for because you're over here pinching pennies. So look at your costs, definitely. Uh, I'm so glad that you said that. That is probably one of the golden pieces um, that people will get from this podcast episode. I think I like to teach in terms of principles and strategies. And I think a really good principle to anchor this home for people to understand is you can't scale a business that's not yet scalable. So that's what we're kind of doing with a, um, a our product is, you know, our profit margin may be very, very small, but we're making a little bit of money. But, you know, to scale that, you're going to need to spend a lot more money on ads, which means your product and your business isn't actually scalable. So it's actually pointless because you're going to waste not just money, 
and energy, but the most valuable commodity of all is time, right? We can always earn more money, but we can't earn more time. So it's definitely setting up your business so it's actually scalable. And I have a pretty important question, Amy, to ask you around the profit margin. What do you think is a, you know, for, I mean, this, you may not have this stat or this data, but what do you feel is a good profit margin percentage on a product before you start really ramping it up with PPC on Amazon or off Amazon? It definitely depends on the the price of the product too. Like if you're selling a, a $100 to $400 product or something like that, well then you have room for a little bit of a more narrow margin because you're making mm-hmm. more dollars at the end of the day, right? But mm-hmm. um, but what I like to see, I like to see people with a 20% net. So after advertising, I like to see you at 20%. And the reason is because when you go to sell your business, that's what buyers are going to look at. They're going to look at your business. They're going to say, okay, how much are you spending on ads? And are you actually profitable at the end of the day? And they, a 20% net is beautiful for them. So, you know, like this morning, I was looking at a, a client's uh, profitability, going over his numbers with him. And um, and he was at a total advertising cost of sales of, um, he was at a, a 49% margin. But after, his after profit... Well, no, that was his advertising cost was um, total advertising cost of sales. And I know you guys outside of Amazon do ROAS, um, but uh, on Amazon, we focus on a cost and total advertising cost of sales tacos. We call that the tacos, right? But, um, but I was looking at, we were running his numbers. He just launched the product, right? So his profit margin was, um, was 49% between cost and what his landing cost and what Amazon was paying him per product was 49% margin, which is really decent, right? I believe his landing cost was um, $6 and Amazon uh, was paying him $13 after their fees for that, uh, for that. So, you know, he was doing pretty good there. He was at like 49% and his total advertising cost of sales was 47. So he, but so he was at a net of only 2% profit, right? What we looked at, and he just launched this product. And when you first launch, you're barely breaking, even you're lucky if you're not in the hole a little bit. So he was actually a little bit profitable, which was exciting, you know, but where could we improve? And we looked and we said, okay, well, you know, if we want to be at that 20% net, we need to bring our total advertising cost of sales down to, um, what it was, uh, 40, 49 and he was at 47. So he needed to bring it down to like 29%. He needed to aim for a a total advertising cost of sales of 29% so that he knew that, you know, he had that 20% net. There's a lot of tools that can track that for you, but I love to run my numbers manually. I love to look at, okay, what were my sales? How much did I spend on advertising? I'd love to just feel the numbers manually and just grudge through it because then I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at. And then you can also look, if you put all of your products in a spreadsheet or you're looking at them on QuickBooks or whatever software you're using, look at what products have the best margin and um, look at which ones have the worst margin and then look at where that margin is, is coming from, right? Is it because that product you're spending way too much in advertising? Can you control any of those costs? Is it because you're spending way too much at the supplier? 
and you need to work on that. Is it because you're spending way too much in shipping? Can you work on that, right? So look at all your different variables and where you can turn some dials, right? And where you have control. And before you know it, you really have focus on, okay, this month on this product, I'm working on bringing my advertising costs down and my organic presence up. On this product, I'm working with the supplier because I'm paying way too much compared to my other products um, and my margin sucks there. So I'm working with the supplier. We're going to work together and see if we can't negotiate a better rate, right? So really, it's, it's not just a one-size-fits-all thing. You need to be looking at all of the things you can control and where you should be moving the needle with each of your products. I really like that you mentioned you like to grudge through your numbers. I'm the same. I like to grudge through my numbers because if you think about it, if you put your numbers into a tool or you use a tool for your numbers, you don't really know your numbers. Like you don't actually embody them and just know them wholeheartedly. Whereas when you do it yourself and you use that term, great term, grudge through them, is you kind of like, oh, this this one little thing is costing too much and it's really stuffing up all everything else down the line, you know, and that can be the product, that could be, you know, ordering an, a, enough quantity, whatever it is. And you can really go, oh, okay, cool. I'm feeling this now, which actually motivates me to go, I'm going to make a change with this piece of the puzzle. Whereas like I'll just chuck it in the tool and be like, ah, what? this isn't working, but I don't know why. It's because you haven't done the work, right? <laughs> so Yeah, that's huge. Huge. That is huge. It's it's and that's not just I do that myself in my own business when I'm starting. If I'm you know, I stop doing ads on my business for a, a good portion of time. And uh and then I started like testing it out again, like doing the maths myself rather than you know, um some of these ad managers are using their tools. I'm like, nah, just I just need to get through this and and properly understand it. Otherwise, you know, I don't know if if you're getting me the best result or if I'm getting the best result or maybe this ad isn't good because of that. No, I do the same thing with my service-based business. In fact, mm. I did that today. I I was starting to feel kind of like just like busy with all the things. And I'm like, you know, yeah. what do I need to eliminate here? And so I sat down today, I brought up my WooCommerce and I was like, okay, where are most of my, where's most of my money coming from? Like, mm. What what were my sales this last month? Where's most of my money coming from? And then looking, especially the service-based business, looking at how much, even though I'm bringing in, let's say I'm bringing in $400 for writing somebody a listing, right? Well, how much am I paying the freelancer there? Like, what's my net on that, right? Can I, is there room in the market to increase the price? And then I've got, I've got services on my website that have been there for years and that I don't even get orders for anymore. It's not even, you know, it's like, okay, is, is it in the right focus, right? Like where am I getting my money from and how much am I netting from that? And is it worth my time anymore? You know, I argue that your greatest asset is not time. Your greatest asset is energy because if I do things that give me energy all day long, I am going to beat my competitors in every situation because they will run out of energy and I will not. I get more done than than anybody that I know. And it's because I focus on the things that give me energy and I outsource all the other things, right? And, I, and then I actually enjoy my time, right? 
But, um, you know, if we're just so bogged down in the day to day and we're not keeping our plate clean, we're not focused on what am I doing that it brings me joy, brings me energy and helps me do more. You know, we, we just kind of get stuck. And I know in our e-commerce businesses, definitely people just they start feeling like they just are just putting out fires all day long. So, yeah. look at I love that you grudge through your numbers as well. Like, just yeah. do it. I know it sucks, but just do it. <laughs> the most important part. It's it's it really is. Um, e-commerce business is hard. It's it's funny that so many people I know within my space are like make money online. How can I make money online? I want to start a business or I want to buy a business. And the first business they want to buy is an e-commerce business. I'm like, it is freaking hard like for your first business to, to get it right. There is one burning question that I feel the audience is, is, is pushing me to ask. And that is how do, we, how do we get to that next level of like getting into Walmart? You've mentioned that you, you know, you're selling in Walmart and there's other places you can sell in Sears and stuff like that. Is there a recipe for this? Or is it like, do we need to set our, our business up in a different way to be able to sort of start opening up those doors? I know that could be a longer process. What are some of the things we need to put in place to get there? Yeah, so um, in terms of additional channels, so walmart.com is actually very easy to sell on. Um, it's, you know, they're growing every day. They're trying to compete with Amazon. Um, so it's uh it's growing every day and it's very easy to just apply and go ahead and list your products they have you will need a 3pl um but what i would encourage you to do is to um check your where you're at with your existing channels and how you can maximize those and then start looking at your market right some products aren't great for shopify Right. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you know, my friend Colin Foster, who runs Brain Power, he helps people expand from Amazon to Shopify. And, you know, he was talking in our mastermind group the other day and he said, you know, not every product is great for Shopify. You know, some products are Amazon products or Walmart yeah. products or whatever. So no matter where you're expanding to, the answer is always, you know, do your research. Now, wholesale is a different model completely. Completely. Like a lot of people, I, I also teach classes on how to get into retail um, from mm. e-commerce, like how to get into retail stores. And it's a completely different model. You have to know, you have to, it, it operates completely differently than e-commerce. You have to know your pricing. You have to have fulfillment uh, options outside of Amazon, you know, outside of fulfillment centers, because you're now fulfilling in bulk. So if we're just focusing on e-commerce channels, if, if you're if you're wanting to get into brick and mortar retail, learn from somebody that knows what they're doing because you, yeah. it's just it's it's a great thing. I mean, Amazon is only what like less than eight percent of all of retail. So brick and mortar, I mean, can change your life. But uh, I mean, you're talking container loads at a time, and if you can if you can get into some of the bigger stores uh, like CVS alone, CVS Pharmacy is, is bigger than Amazon. They have like. 9,000 stores, you know, Walmart, mm -hmm. 10,500 stores. Um, you know, so if you were to get even in one of those as a regional test and then a national test, that's like million dollar orders every time, you know, so that's life-changing money, but it's a different model and you have to learn it. It's a different model. So if you're just wanting to expand in different e-commerce channels, like Wayfair.com, Walmart.com, um, Zulily, there's subscription boxes, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Study your market. 
see where your top competitors, where the thing, where your, where your market is buying from, mm. right? Like look at what other things your market is buying and where they're shopping. Uh, remember I was talking about that keywords everywhere tool uh, that I use uh, in Google Chrome. When I type something in like, you know, skincare products or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you'll see uh, the long tail suggested keywords. It'll say Walmart, Amazon, Target, wherever people want to buy it from, it'll, it'll show up there. And then you'll see the Google ads showing up for that. So do your category research, look at where your competitors are selling and then determine, okay, again, just like you did with Amazon and you looked at, at the market, look at, okay, could, is there space for me? Is there a reason if you're looking, especially for retail, is there a reason that they're going to make space for me on the shelf when someone else is already on the shelf and they're fulfilling and they're doing a good job? Is there a space for my product? Am I going to be able to convince that buyer? And then when it comes to online channels, just look at the market, see what your competitive landscape looks like and see if you can, if you can steal some of those sales and then look at the process for signing up. There's near, there's a Facebook group for signing up for nearly every channel you can imagine. There's one called selling on Walmart. Um, and they are really great. It's run by my friends, Tim Jordan at Private Label Legion and Mikhail, uh, Chapnick. Um, so they can walk you through the walmart.com process. They can help you and it's free. Join the Facebook group, learn, you know. So any of your new channels that you want to sell on, there's definitely training for you. Reach out to somebody who's already done it, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and learn. And again, just study the market first. Keep it simple. Study the market. Make sure there's space for you and then follow the steps to get there. Amazing. Yeah, get your business scalable for it. So this has been insanely valuable, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, I want to ask, where can we send people to check out more about you? But also, can we get the link to um, send people over to review their, was it you mentioned earlier, reviewing their um, listing or their product? The listings. Yeah. Yeah. I love to review listings. I'm cool. a total nerd about it. So if you, <laughs> if you come over to amazingathome.com, amazingathome.com, you'll see underneath my services menu that says free listing review. And it's just a little form. You fill it out and you give me your listing and you tell me there's a little spot under there where you can tell me like, Hey, I'm having problems. You know, I'm not making any sales or my PPC is not working or whatever. And, um, as somebody who has personally written hundreds of page one Amazon listings, I started as a copywriter. I love this stuff. I love sales copy. I love, you know, photography, all that kind of stuff. So let me be a nerd. I will send you a video of me sharing my screen and going through your listing and providing you as much value as possible no strings attached. I'm not selling you anything. Now I might recommend something like, Hey, you need, I would recommend you get with this PPC person. I don't, I don't sell that, but you need help here. Right. Or, or, Hey, it looks like your listing needs an optimization. But, uh, I, I, I reviewed somebody's listing the other day and I honestly, it was like the most perfect listing I ever saw. So that was good feedback for him too. I was like, I got nothing for you. You look great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you guys can always check that out and you can come to amazingathome.com anytime. There's a contact form there on my website. If you want to reach out anytime, 
Um, and then we also have a Facebook group. Uh, it's free Facebook group. So if you're just wanting to learn more about like, hey, you know, how do I, we very closely monitor our Facebook group. Um, so it's, it's small, but mighty, and we're there to help each other. So, uh, you know, if you have questions about like, Hey, how do I make a variation listing? How do I do this? Like, what should I do here? How do I get into Walmart? How do I do? You can ask those questions anytime. We love it. And then I also have a podcast, uh, called the seller Roundtable, where we do talk about all those Amazon private label things. Um, so you, you can check that out as well. Guys, I'm going to put links to all those three there. Uh, but amazingathome.com, there's a Facebook group and the podcast. Check it out, Amy. This has been just seriously great and such a pleasure to talk business with you today. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Now, before we go, guys, I want you to think of two to three people who are looking to buy an Amazon business or already own an Amazon business. Please do them a massive favor and share this podcast episode with them. Uh, yes, it's going to help grow the podcast, which is the goal as well, but also adding massive value to those people who already have an Amazon business or are wanting to grow one. So thanks for listening and I'll speak to you guys soon.